Welcome to episode 300. This is Sparta! <laughs> so fucking dumb. Of the Overlook Hour. That's literally the only special thing we have lined up. By the way, for everyone listening, that took 30 minutes <laughs> to think of, pull, organize, and execute. Yeah, very quick. Oh, man. <laughs> That's how we do things here. I am your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, <laughs> is the man sitting across the table from me wearing his own merchandise. It's Russell John the Fisherman. <laughs> Somebody's got to wear it, right? Hey, at least it's old. It's not like the podcast. It's just old Christmas merch. Actually, as I look uh, to my right, your left, <laughs> right on your radio dials. Burn. Oksana Valerian of Osachi is also wearing her own merch. To be fair, I had nothing to do with the creation or the sale of this sweater, but I am enjoying wearing it. Oh, damn it. And then I jo- left. They're still available. I need to pull those down. <laughs> I, I was like two weeks <laughs> too late. Yeah. La- no, last week you were adamant. <laughs> when you listen to this, no, no, no. Not, it will be closed. That was two shut weeks, down. Two weeks ago. Idiot. That was two weeks ago. It was supposed to be down by the time you got back the worst yeah i know and then also joining us in atlanta georgia not wearing his own merch but wearing merch of a business in (laughs) atlanta that he will never stop shutting up about it's randy michael stat this is true hello and i do have news for you before i put this t-shirt on i was wearing my own band's (laughs) t-shirt What the fuck? Wait, I'm upset you didn't call Clark out on saying never stop shutting up about. Wouldn't that mean he doesn't talk about it at all? That's up for the listener. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to mention what the, the brand was? No. Okay. Fuck them. Randy? No, it's cool. They get enough uh, sponsorship from me for free on the show already. There you go. Yeah, this fucking Bay Area-based podcast is really helping out Videodrome out there. Well, we put there was one guy left doing video stores, and we put him on, and then went out of business. (laughs) (laughs) So, what do we know? Wait, God, is that true? The Hawkman. Well, I know the video's gone, and Lost Weekend, which is your what you're mentioning, they're gone. I thought we had one more. I mean, the Alamo technically has one, but I was there yesterday and it, it had uh, tarps over it. What about Lost Weekend? Is that a video place? Lost Weekend video? Mm-hmm. Are they, they're gone? That's what Hawkman yeah. had, dude. Oh, I'm an idiot. Again, you know, I don't know if anybody oh, can tell. You're thinking of La Video. No, not La Video. I, again, I, you know, I have You're a, thinking uh, of pop up video on VH1. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Again, I you know I have a cold, so you know what? It's probably COVID. I think I have the brain fog. So if I say weird shit like that today, you have to forgive me because I'm dying internally. Because you are a fucking moron <laughs> who loaded up on sinus medication. Randy, listen to this, please. He loaded up on sinus medication, but refuses to eat anything. Oh, it's not time. I eat at five o'clock. That's not. I, none of those words came out of my mouth. I that's, said. Well, that's what I feel for intermittent me. fasting, fool. Yeah. Uh, it sinus help. infection, bitch. No, it's called eat something. When you take all that medication, you're you it has to absorb something. You have to eat with it. Otherwise it's gonna wreck no, you. No, no, no. Randy, back me up. No, yeah, Randy- chances are they're probably fat soluble. I don't know how to say that word, but um yeah, so you need to uh eat something with it for it to absorb. 
Wait, did you just call me fat in like an intelligent way? That's fucked up. He Randy. called you soluble. Yeah, I'm, dude. I'm not soluble. Also, if you know, I, neither of you guys would know it because neither of you are cool. But when you're doing fucking drugs and you podcasts and sunglasses, you want cool it, as fuck. You want the drugs to really fucking kick in. I've done shrooms. Eat. Okay. <laughs> I wish I didn't talk over that. I could have allegedly. Anyway, yeah, I am. I'm on like Mucinex. I'm on Dayquil. I'm on uh, some Robitussin type shit. That are you drinking sixteen ounces of water when you take the Mucinex? I'm drinking coffee that's made from water. Idiot! You know what you need? <laughs> God, you liquid are not IV, goodness. baby. Oh, okay. Liquid IV is great. I'll give you one. All right. Oh my God. He you, refused to take one last week. You know. You know what's funny is that <laughs> the only time in my life I've ever had liquid IV was from Clark when you were genuinely concerned. What What happened? Do either of you remember? He was like, dude, here. And you handed it to me like it was very important. Oh, you were hungover. No, if you wouldn't do that for a hangover. You were being dramatic if no, it was a hangover. Yeah, you it's would. It's hangover. Yeah, it's but- also great after your night of drinking before you go to bed. Take some of it and then oh, you'll probably be good. What are they? Are they paying for the show now? They're are you all cashing checks from dude, Liquid I'm IV? All, I'm all Liquid IV. I'm all Liquid Death. <laughs> Those are my brands. You dude. gave up on Liquid Death. No. It's just harder to find here. You order it online. I know, but it's it's a complicated process, if I'm completely honest with you. I can't do it through Amazon Fresh. I have to do it through Whole Foods. You asked for this. And the Whole Foods thing, Mart, dude, it takes $15 in delivery charges. Oh, my. Like, what the Hold on, let me turn you back up. You can go through their site directly. Who does that? Well, people (laughs) who like to support, you know, you give them the money directly. No, no, no. You're paying for fucking canned water. It's not brain science. Anyway, brain science? Yeah. Again, you know, again, I have COVID. Eat a banana. <laughs> Stop pushing bananas on me. They're right there. They're full of potassium. You're not supposed to eat those on an empty stomach. What? What are you talking about? I read that it could like mess up your, I don't know what. <laughs> your shit. And that's why we have Oksana Valerianova Osachi here. Oh, God. You can prove it. Okay, go ahead, um, Google. Eating them on an empty tummy can overload your bloodstream with uh, magnesium and potassium and cause harm to your heart. What if you load that baby shit. up with peanut butter? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Our honey. I mean, I got the fucking vaccine. I'll put anything in my body. Now, <laughs> on top of that, I also got, what, two, three negative COVID tests. So all of you that are scared, you think the Omicron's going to jump through whatever the fuck you're listening to right now. It's not true. It's only bad in this room. And Clark's riddled with it already. Hey, what did you have when I first met you? You were very proud of having like shingles. Was that it? Oh, shing- yeah, shingles were yeah. terrible. I told somebody you had rickets. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, God damn. I was like, yeah, when I first met Clark, he talked about how he had rickets. Who the fuck did you tell this to? I don't know, but it sounded right because, you know, I. Oh my. Listeners of this show, you know, Clark, he's got this like big, um, dreamy eye look whenever he talks about old shit and he wears a fedora and he likes to be old. Here's the thing. References nobody gets. Here's the thing. Do you know what rickets is? No, clearly. A a disease of children caused by vitamin D (laughs) deficiency characterized by in perfect calcification, softening and distortion of the bones, typically resulting in bow legs, aka the end of old. <laughs> the woman in the cave. You know, it's funny is I carried on this conversation for a while and I just like looking at them, like in the questions they're asking, I was like, maybe it ain't Ricketts. 
and I looked it up. I'm like, is that what you get from chicken pox? Like after and it's like, Oh, shingles. Oh, that's shingles, what it was. Dude. No, shingles, both, are, shingles are terrible. Well, they're both old time. I mean, Rick is sounds on like a walk in the park. <laughs> <laughs> A bow-legged walk in the park. Yeah. <laughs> Again, apologies to all you. That's a tough rickets. walk in the park. <laughs> With oh. shingles, you're just going to be scratching and bleeding. Dude. No, I had, not only did I have shingles, I had shingles on my fucking face. Oh, I thought you yeah. just get them everywhere. No, no, no. It's like Most people get them like on their body. You're pointing to your tits like on right your, now. Like on your torso. If you can run on your nippies. Okay, you're rubbing them. Um, What else am I doing? <laughs> we need a camera. <laughs> And I had I had them all over my face. <laughs> it was terrible. You looked like a fucking roof. No, I was embarrassed. I, so I put like band aids on my Come face, on. and I'm like, "What are you doing?" A Nelly impression? Y'all gave me nothing for that. I didn't hear you. A shingles roof joke? Oh, that's not. Come yes, on. I know. I give you nothing. That was good. No, it's not. It's architect. Shingles go on a roof, so there's no fucking joke. That's the joke. It was on your face. You looked like a roof. It's not good. Oh, come on. <laughs> not good. I stand by the my, audience. I stand laughing. by my eyes. Also, welcome to episode 300. <laughs> it is 300 and we don't celebrate things here. So thanks for listening. And if you don't listen, I get it. That's so untrue. I go back and listen to 200. You're like, we have to do something. Yeah, I'm over that. What do we do? Cried. I don't No, 100 was the one where we had like a party. We, dude, you wanted to do everything. 50, 100, 150. Yeah. I think this might be the first time where you didn't care. Well, yeah, because now we're in a groove. <laughs> now it doesn't matter. That's right. We don't need content. Can, can one of you producers look up what we did for episode 200? Didn't we change the format? Oh, my God. What are we paying you for? I think for? we did. <laughs> We've changed the format like God, 37 it. times because of my lack of commitment, baby. Yeah. All right. Well, you want to start this then? Because you've reminded me, the thing you're trying to change is firing my favorite guest to this damn show. Yeah, he's, again, I cannot pay. He's going to have to take the bus. All right, but we'll, before we go there, I um, a couple things. One, last week, Clark yelled at me for doing plugs before the break. Yeah, who, you idiot. <clears throat> Fine, we won't do it anymore. I did it every episode while you were gone, by the way. Mm. It worked great. You didn't even notice. Charlie did it. I have an update. Okay, all right. Episode 200 was a bicentennial celebration. Where what I does that even mean? You don't even remember clips. what that was. <laughs> just Saudi was here. Oh, that's how we celebrated? Yeah, we gave up. Also, you got to warn me before you have news. Remember, we have the news stinger. Oh, that wasn't worth it, though. <laughs> that's the bit. It's never <laughs> worth it. If you're getting your news from the show, something's wrong in your life. Now, again, no more plugs before, but I do want to reach out. To all, to all you listening right now and tell you, hey, thank you for the interaction. I love hearing your thoughts whenever you like something, dislike something. Hey, we want to interact. And it's good to know that people out there are listening to it. But can you stop fucking texting me, DMing me, every, all you fucking introverts listen to this show. I love you all to death. Put it in a public setting so, so it doesn't look like we're like some weirdos out here doing this for five years yelling into the void. Like, let's have some open air discourse. We're all nice people. Actually, I don't know that because I don't really communicate with most of you. So please do it in comments or I don't know. Do we, where, where would we want people to like talk about this shit? Set up a discord. Insta oh my, a discord? Yeah. You would never use a discord. No, but y'all would. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Instagram or something, <sighs> but I Instagram. Twitter. I mean, I love it. Feedback I get a lot of it. <laughs> Text daily. 
just fucking stop texting me. Put it out there so other people can see it. So you, you know you're not all lone satellite people. Um, other thing, a great way to do this, email us. Like, female bag. That's our favorite segment. We never got to do it. Actually, I do think we have um, Brench Fry reached out, and he's got a couple of two-sentence horror stories. Oh, boy. The thing is, Brench, I'm sorry, we can't find Creepy. I thought we had him chained up for good. I think he went back with uh, David, though. So that that's it. Like, the mailbag is fucking empty and neglected. And if you love females, then fill her bag. I don't like your energy right now. It's, um, I uh, haven't eaten. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of medication. You sounded mean to our audience. Yeah, that's, I, I have to. Look, you're and the now, carrot. And now, and now it's a role reversal because I got to be good cop now. And yeah. I don't want to be good cop. No, you. Okay. I wear sunglasses inside. That's fucking bad cop material. I don't do good cop, bad cop. I do carrot and stick. I'm the stick. You're the carrot. And we're both in assholes. <sighs> what? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I'm trying to visualize what the hell you just said. And it's confusing. Um. Anyway, before I mean, if we're going to fire the man, we should uh, bring him in before he quits. All right. Good morning. It's December 19, 2021, and it's a Sunday. Day two of weekend projects. And I hope you all are enjoying your ride on the fun work train. (laughs) Don't forget to Enjoy the dining car <laughs> and the observation car. Everyone, oh have a great day. David, we're going to have to fire you. All right. Also, you want to talk about old man mouth. I know. I heard it. Dude, he must have been listening to the interview we just recorded, too. Because yeah. why else would he bring up a train? Trains. You know? Yeah. And old, mouth, old man mouth. Wait. Is that that interview is going to go up after this episode on right? Thursday? So stay tuned. Yeah, for train talk, <laughs> and we talk about old man mouth. Yeah, double up. All right, the classic combination. Stall <laughs> a little bit for me. I, I need to take a deep breath. We got a big TBR coming up. Oh my god, TBR un, number undetermined. Is there is an ongoing controversy of how many one of one of life's great mysteries. <laughs> How many TBR reports has the Overlook Hour done? Thomas Burke says 21. Oksana says 22. I say, I want this segment to go away. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Well, let's kick it off so we can get it out of the way because Clark hates me, apparently. You didn't say anything? You're just going to let people think that? No, agreed. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> What a way to start this thing. Uh, all right. TBR, th- this, we have cleared it up. It is number 22, right? Correct. Do you want to fix uh, Thomas Burke and correct <laughs> the... Uh, Listen, Tom. <laughs> this is 22. <laughs> there's two number 14s. Yeah, you, you had numbered two emails as number 14, probably, so it's on you, bro. Probably sleep once in a while. <laughs> anyway, oh, damn. Damn. Okay, I'm turning off. Felt mean. Um, 
I turned off your mic before you could say that. Anyway, this is the TBR report where Thomas Burke, a found footage adventurer, sends me a new movie every week that is in world camera and something that we just don't have the time to do our own research for. So uh, he's been killing it lately. Um, let's go right into now. I have a lot of notes on this one. This is going to be a weird week, and I think it's going to be fun. But uh, you know what? Let's go to the email. Thomas writes, in a similar vein as The Buried Secret of M. Night Shyamalan, this week I bring you Forgotten Silver, made in 1995 by the Lord of the Rings director himself. I'm surprised that the found footage community hasn't talked about this one more. It's literally a mockumentary film about Peter Jackson, the filmmaker, finding more found footage films about a New Zealand filmmaker named Colin McKenzie. It turns into this type of lost, in quotes, work discovery after Peter's mom convinces him to return home to visit one of their neighbor's friend's abandoned sheds, which holds this missing footage. Check it out if you like the buried secret of M. Night Shyamalan. I'm sure you'll end up liking this one as well. Cheers. Um, he notes it's available to watch on Vimeo for $5, or you can watch it with Spanish subtitles on YouTube. All the best, Thomas Burke, TBR, LCMHC, not a licensed clinical mental health counselor, but a lover of cinema, mainly horror, see a baby. Tom, I love you. Uh, thank you for this recommendation. Instead of setting up this film, I'm just going to throw in the opening of it and let Peter Jackson do him himself. Now, hang with me, Clark. This one's a little bit of a long clip. About a year ago, I had a call from my mother. She said I should drop in on Auntie Hannah sometime because she was wondering if I'd be interested in a lot of old films that she had stored in a shed at the bottom of her garden. I wasn't expecting much. Hannah described them as a lot of old home movies that her husband Colin had taken. I was expecting to maybe find a bunch of old home movies, drop them off at the film archive on my way home, and that would be the end of it. What I found sitting right here was an old chest. I opened the chest and I found the most extraordinary collection of films. These were 35mm films. The tins were rusty. There were strange names on them. Warrior season, films I'd never heard of. I had no way of realising the significance of these films at the time. We later discovered they were made between the turn of the century and the late 1920s by an extraordinary New Zealander. A man who has now got to join the ranks of the great film pioneers. A guy called Colin McKenzie. Now, Colin McKenzie. Dude, I kept doing that too. All right, don't get it. We're on YouTube now, so don't uh, get us pulled down for copyright infringement. Um, so that was a clip. That happens right at the very beginning of the film. And it's, it's uh, Peter Jackson in what looks like a, I don't know, like a suburban neighborhood. There's a lot of uh, greenery around trees and bushes. It's on a hill. And as he's talking, he's walking down an, an incline, goes through a crooky, uh, a crooky, a creaky, uh, <laughs> a creaky um, little gate. And when that music, that ominous mm, thing happens, it's uh, an abandoned building with like some broken windows comes into frame. And I'll tell you, I got so fucking excited. I was like, whoa, dude, Peter Jack. Also, note that this is 1995. So we're talking pre-Blair Witch and kind of the whole boom and a lot of, um, well, I mean, so this would have been post-Ghost Watch, which would be in a kind of similar vein. But 
it's like, what the fuck are we going to do? He walks in there, finds a chest. That's when you hear all the like Texas chainsaw uh, photographs being taken. He opens it up and it's all rusty canisters. Like you talked about all like lost film. And uh, it, I mean, I'm hooked right there. And I'll let you know, if you like that tone, that found footage, we're entering a mystery. Uh, the movie's probably not for you because that, that atmosphere that is in the beginning, we never get back to it. This movie kind of becomes whimsical after that. As, uh, you know, uh, Thomas mentioned, he, he's not sure why the found footage community hasn't latched on here. And this is a rare mockumentary where you really need context. Now, Peter Jackson wrote and directed this film. And it screened uh, locally in New Zealand. Well, I say locally because New Zealand's not a huge um, country, but it aired on TV there. And the whole idea of this mockumentary is kind of rediscovering New Zealand. So it's not found footage really in any regard. And I was thinking about how to present what I'm trying to talk about here. And imagine if uh, the Alamo did a screening and they brought in. Um, Again, suspend your belief a little bit, but they had like Robin Williams, they're a local film celebrity. And they came in and they're like, hey, we found some footage and, um, you know, uh, we're going to play a movie for you. And the movie kind of goes through how pinball machines were invented in the Bay Area. And, you know, the Alamo, we have a bunch of pinball machines and we've learned this rich history and, you know, we're, we're going to celebrate it now and we're going to have this big thing. And how cool is it that we never knew our local history, except it's all a lie. So this movie, it's all about this New Zealand history that's so rich. And I mean, in that footage, they find um, the guy, Colin McKenzie. He, in 1901, mounted a camera onto a bicycle and created the first moving film. He also uh, has war footage from Gallipoli, the only footage ever because he has invented this like crazy camera. He also filmed people who predate the Wright brothers in flying a ship. Now, mind you, all of this mixed media totally works. And in 1995, there's no reason why you wouldn't think this was real. And it's just so absurd, though. And a lot of the music kind of cues you into that. Yeah. But that's what this movie is. It's kind of like, hey, in New Zealand, we've done everything. Guess what? We're way cooler than we thought. And that's pretty much the movie. I mean, if you're not interested in it, I, I don't blame you. There's one thing that I really wanted to highlight here. And now there's a lot of nationalist uh, propaganda here, you know, Yay, New Zealand. And there's also a lot, like, the enemy of this movie is communism. So the communists are coming after uh, Mackenzie's film. And part of it is he made this super epic biblical drama out in the woods of New Zealand. And he built a, like, replication of uh, Israel in the woods. And now the movie turns into a um, Peter Jackson leads a conquistador-like adventure group to find the lost city of Mackenzie. And uh, spoiler, they do find a sarcophagus filled with film. So there's a lot of camp here. Who cares? All the national stuff. I'm sure it's super interesting. You never heard of it because we don't live in New Zealand. There's one thing that they claim Mackenzie filmed. And that's Stan the Man. Now, Stan the Man is a comic that we've never heard of. But he's very Charlie Chaplin or like Buster Keaton. So he's kind of like, you know, like doing tricks with the ladder and falling and spinning around and hitting people. And uh, 
so he's a failed comedian. Like people didn't think he was funny until one day he was filming and he's doing a little bit like that. And a little girl walks in front of his camera and he yells at her again. This is all silent. Even though they say Mackenzie invented the first audio dialogue in film 20 years before we got, uh, the piano player. I can't remember the one in 1927, but this little girl walks by and she says something to him. So he comes down and he's like, Hey, get the hell off here. She kicks him in the shin. So he slaps her in the face and they have this recording. He slaps this little girl in the face. Now, um, the mixed media, of this film, we have a lot of, uh, talking heads in here and I, I pulled a bit from, you know what? I didn't put it on here. No, I did. So here's a film critic briefly mentioning this. I just thought it was funny. So I pulled it and I'm going to play it. They showed it to an audience next day. The audience only laughed when he hit the child. And Stan insisted they keep this violence against the innocent in everything they did forever and a day. So, again, they screened the film. The audience only laughed when he slapped the little girl. And he said, that's it. That's me. That's our brand. And, you know, you're watching this this faux doc about how cool New Zealand is. And you're like, where are they going here? Well. Stan the man has a career and, you know, much like they have uh, the first film of flight and the first talkie and the first moving camera, they have also invented the whole format that is jackass where there's candid camera in like 1912. So we go into this whole thing. Now, I have a couple clips of people talking about it, but I also want to play a game of who's talking because in the M night Shyamalan documentary, if you remember what we had, like Johnny Depp showed up and there are people that add, uh, you know, levity to this thing or not levity, but there's kind of like a, uh, weight of truth because we're familiar with them. So I'm going to play these clips that kind of describe, uh, the footage of Stan, the man, but also after I want you to guess, uh, this is for Clark and Randy who's talking. All right. So here's the, uh, let me make sure I do this in the right order. Who's talking between who? Um, well, it's just talking heads. So you'll have a celebrity guest come on and they'll tell you about the clip. So we have to guess the celebrity. Yeah. Who's talking. So this first one is Stan, the man, uh, there's a, so Mackenzie's hiding in a bush filming Stan, the man, and he walks up with two pies in his hand. He pies this lady who's pushing a stroller. And then he takes the other pie and hits the baby in the stroller with it. All right, here we go. Here's the, here's the clip. Have I meat pies? Shut up. Well, Stan the Man was a pathetically unfunny screen comedian, but he has a sort of a niche, a footnote in film history for one thing, which he did in collaboration with Colin McKenzie, which was kind of a candid camera approach to silent comedy. Uh, he would pull these pranks, which were usually not very funny. But they were completely spontaneous, and he would surprise innocent people, uh, usually to their dismay. And Colin would be filming it with another of his inventions, a suitcase camera, so that it was actually unrehearsed and spontaneous. And of course, it didn't take Colin very much time away from Salome to do these because they would all be done in one take. Yeah, and get also. Did you hear the name of the movie he was working on? It's called Salome. Salome. Yep. Salome. Salome. That's for two people listening to the show. But I'm not going to get into that. Um, it is Rob Lowe. Clara, uh, Randy, you got one. <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Oksana, do you, I, you can't. A, you've seen it, right? Yeah. It's a terrible guess. All right, it's Leonard Moulton. Wow, was close. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, honestly, you know, like Johnny Depp, he's just an actor and maybe he could be put up to something. But when you have like a critic like that come in, I feel like that adds some weight. For the record, I'm a fan of Leonard Maltin. I figured. Same. And that's why I was hoping you would have got it. But the voice, let me hear a little clip again. All right. That's just a younger little. Maltin. Yeah, that's a young. It, it is yeah. a younger. Well, Stan the Man was a pathetically unfunny screen comedian. That is that is that is an old ass. Yeah, clip, no, the, the audio is not great. Remember, it is YouTube. I yeah, I, but look, also that. Beep, 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 I know Litter Malton's voice, and I can pick it up now. But I would not have been. Able yeah, to he was younger. All right, well, maybe you'll have better luck with the next one. Oh, Y'all ready? No. Here we go. Rob Lowe. They would go around the country and make a different film in in, in different towns. You know, they'd go to Ty Happy and make Stand the Man in Ty Happy, or Stand the Man in Palmy North. Tom Hanks. Okay, Tom Hanks. No, uh, Alfred Molina. Well, again, remember, uh, remember, this is like a nationalist film. This is the only clue you're going to get. So think New Zealand. Randy, you got one. Jermaine Clement. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> you know, honestly, I think that was kind of a uh, bad. He lives there now. It was Sam Neill. Sam Neill uh, sucks, dude. <laughs> what, dude, you don't like fucking Jurassic Park? Not Sam Neill. You don't oh, like Possession, bro? Yeah, Possession. Thank you, Randy. I've never what? seen it. You forgot, damn. You don't like Hunt for the Wilder People, bro? <laughs> Sam Neill's cool. Grant, you never, as a child, you never pretended to be Grant? No. This is your problem, dude. I pretended to be Samuel Jackson. You were probably fucking uh, Newman. Getting spit on by a dinosaur. That was the coolest dinosaur. What's it called? I don't remember. Dilophosaurus. Yep. I know it was a D. I know it was a D. Yeah, you always think about the D. All right. Also, I just want to uh, apologize to Hugh Jackman. He's Australian, not New Zealand. Yeah, don't you ever say that around. Yeah, I don't think Sam (laughs) Neill's. Hugh Jackman will slit your throat if you say that around. Um, Okay, we got one more. And this guy, y'all love this guy. So if you don't get it, you both have to revoke your Tarantino cool guy cards. Hugh Jackman. Damn it. I don't even have to play the clip now. All right, you ready? All right, here we go. This New Zealand filmmaker is going to rank in me with the greats like D.W. Griffith. And I think in some ways, infinitely better. Dave Attell. Randy? Tim Roth. Now, it's a little unfortunate that the clip I pulled happened to be him comparing this uh, made-up character to D.W. Griffith, who did, uh, what was his movie? The Birth of the a Nation. Birth of a Nation. Birth of a Nation. Which features the clan in, uh, you know, positive light. But yeah, that was um, actually the first poster Randy put up was of this guy, Harvey Weinstein. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like David Tell. Here, now, let's see if you can hear it again. This New Zealand filmmaker is going to rank in me with the greats like D.W. Griffith. And I think in some ways, infinitely better. Infinitely better than D.W. Griffith. Infinitely better. Again, D.W. Griffith, no, no shame to that dude. He, he realized that he was living in a bubble and came out and did exactly the opposite of Birth of a Nation. Started making all these like very pro-race films. But, how, dude, if, if you want to know another reason why people probably aren't celebrating this, it's that they got Harvey Weinstein at his fattest. Like, all over it. That's, that's not true. He pops up every now and then. You're just like, oh. He's coming in all the plants. Yeah. But again, like. Looks terrible, too. Yeah, dude. For real. But, um, I mean, if you want to add, like, some weight to the truth factor here. At the time, Harvey Weinstein is, you know, he's notable. Um, 
All right. Now I have a bunch of lists. Where was I going to go after Stan the Man? Dude, I love Stan the Man. Honestly, you know, they do a thing where now this is how regional this film is. At one point, he's walking around. He invents the the briefcase camera, and uh, Stan the Man's got his pies again, and he's on a train track. What's up with the fucking trains and everything? So he's at a train stop. Trains built this country. He's at a train. Well, this is, we're talking New Zealand now, and he pies some random people, and you know he's filming it, jackass. Ooh. One of them turns out to be whatever political. Do they have a prime minister there in New Zealand? I don't know. Oh, this is some goofy shit. Hugh yeah. Jackman. Okay, so he he ends up <laughs> pieing their like top political person, and uh, and it's like that's a joke for New Zealand only. And I mean, you know, Peter Jackson made it for them. Um, what else do I got? Uh, okay, well, yeah, I think we're good. Um, I will mention that on the IMDb for this movie. It's got the most interesting fucking um, trivia. Which I, <laughs> I feel so lame for saying that. Hold on, let me pull it up. So this film's called Forgotten Silver, which, you know, by this point, you should realize it's silver screen. Oh, it's forgotten. It's it the sounds forgotten like film. a Western. Uh, I don't know. A Western noir. Oh, Randy. Okay, I fucking Make that happen. <laughs> no, but so here in the trivia... Um, there's a lot of it one off, but like here, here's the, the, this originally screened as a genuine documentary to an unsuspecting New Zealand public and was only revealed to be a hoax a couple days afterward. Now, when I read this, also, there's a ton of trivia in here. It's all interesting, but to me, I'm like, wait, they didn't know. Like it, it would have felt like, you know, with my Alamo, um, example, it's like, oh, Hey, all this, we invented flight here in the Bay area. Like, how would you not be like, no, we didn't. And I mean, maybe we're more skeptical now, but then my second thought was, well, how did they feel when they found out? Well, here's the thing. This, this film didn't really make a big internet footprint, which I'm, you know, why would it? Again, it's very niche. But now on the DVD that was released uh, by, um, I can't remember, uh, which we're going to buy, Oksana. So go ahead and look that up. It's like 20 bucks. But I, even though I don't think I'll ever watch this movie again, they made a short film called Behind the Bull, Forgotten Silver. And in it, they're supposed to read letters that they received just that were, you know, written in all bold, talking shit about how dare you lie to us about this. So all throughout history, this has never gone over well with audiences. And I mean, it, it's funny to think that you make kind of like an in-joke for New Zealand, and then that crowd even turned on you. Like, it doesn't even... Like, so if we were going to make a fake documentary and have a party in this house and then not tell the people it was fake, chances are they're going to burn down the house at the end of it. When we're like, gotcha, it's fake, Clark doesn't really have cancer or something, then, you know, they're all going to get fucking mad. So, scratch that off our There's party. There's a strong chance I don't. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, I did find out that burning candles, I told you this, yeah, the wax. Yeah, tell Randy this bullshit. No, we, we could talk about that later. Anyway, this film, I highly recommend it to the 1% of found footage audiences that are just so into the format and like kind of the culture of it that, you know, there's a lot of value here when you look at how to construct a fake narrative. Also, like one of the trivia questions, hold on, let me read it. Um... Uh, they talk about how they aged the film and it's so interesting. They actually like, 
they didn't want to do anything um, that looked fake. So they took a lot of the film reels and would rub them on the ground and get them dirty so that when they're actually looking at silent or, you know, supposedly silent film, it looks authentic. Also the casting was very particular there too. Cause uh, when you watch silent film, People just have a different, like, like the girls kind of have like a doughy face or like the way they do makeup and lighting, all of it to a T, but it's just, it's for New Zealand. So yeah, um, Forgotten Silver from 1995. If you're really into found footage, check that out. But, uh, I don't recommend it. (laughs) I feel bad saying that. This concludes the TBR report. Is it a three? Uh, yeah, probably a three or, you know, it's, here's the problem when you're not rating things on an entertainment level. I feel like there's cool historical value here. Like if we were going to compile a book of found footage, like history, you got to include this because it's a good example of a bunch of different things, but is it fun to watch? Uh, maybe if you're in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Probably a three. All right. Forgotten silver. Also, thank you for uh, coming back on time from your bathroom break, Randy. I didn't leave once, uh, just in case you're listening, Tom. <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> Dang. Well, I, got, I need to go on mine. Yeah, you worry about hurting his feelings, not mine. Thanks, Randy. <laughs> no problem. All right, Randy. The ball is yes, yours. The Take bowl. it. The bowl? The ball. Oh, I thought you were talking weed, bro. Are that? Dude, I wish. Can't get any out here. You probably can. I haven't tried. Randy, people have been getting marijuana <laughs> in Atlanta for quite some time now. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't trust this stuff. <laughs> Sorry, but um, to go into a movie, I saw instead of weed that I smoked, <clears throat> I saw a uh, film that is in a limited release right now. It will be available on Netflix on Christmas Day. It is called The Lost Daughter. It's directed and written by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, adapted from a novel of the same uh, title by Elena Ferrante. Um, This movie uh, starring Olivia Coleman. So Olivia Coleman plays a professor who is on vacation. She goes to this like really beautiful kind of uh, empty island in Greece to kind of like get away. And she, uh, you know, has books and stuff with her. It looks like she's kind of like planning her, uh, you know, work for the next year or whatever. She looks kind of, you know, sad or lonely or whatever, but you don't really get too much of an idea of uh, what to expect yet. Um, and she uh, is staying at this like really beautiful uh, like B&B that um, is run by Ed Harris, who plays Lyle. Uh, Olivia Coleman's character is named Lita. Um, and she's there for like, I don't know, maybe a day and she's just hanging out on the beach trying to like, you know, get some peace and quiet And this family shows up. Uh, she's in Greece, I believe, uh, which is the Island that she's on. <laughs> um, and when she's there, she, uh, this big old family with a couple kids and kind of obnoxious people show up to the Island and they, uh, kind of get off to, a a rocky start with their interactions. And then you kind of feel like throughout the movie that something terrible is going to happen. Um, so essentially, um, Olivia Coleman's character becomes not like obsessed with this person, but she kind of like uh, 
develops a bond with uh, this young mother who's played by Dakota Johnson, who's part of the family that shows up. Um, Dakota Johnson's character, Nina, has a daughter, and this starts to prompt uh, sort of flashbacks to Olivia Coleman's character's early uh, experience being a mother. Um, and the whole movie is, first of all, Olivia Coleman is great. Um, you know, she's in like every she's frame nice. of the film. There's a lot of like really, really like almost extreme close up shots. And I don't know, she, uh, she knows how to just like do very slight like facial changes or like things with her eye that like really like show some sort of like interiority, but you're not really sure like what's happening. Uh, I don't want to like spoil too much of what's happening in the movie. Um, considering it's pretty limited release right now, but, um, it's really solid. This is, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's first time directing and, um, yeah, it's really good. Uh, I honestly didn't recognize Dakota Johnson, uh, until I looked up the Wikipedia page before we started recording. Um, she's pretty good. Jesse Buckley is also in this, who was in, I'm thinking of ending things and beast. Um, she's great as well. Um, yeah, it's, a. Uh, it feels like, a, it's not really like a thriller. It feels like a psychological drama. Um, it does kind of have this weird, like, sense of dread hanging over the whole thing, almost. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's good. It's, uh, yeah, it's out on Christmas. If you want to uh, watch it with your, uh, no, never mind. It's not on Christmas. It's uh, December 31st. <laughs> I forget which day Christmas is. Because 25th. I'm no longer a Catholic. Um, oh, so you forget birthdays now? That's fucked up, dude. I honestly uh, forgot my mom's birthday two years in a row. What the hell? And you just dude? wanted to go ahead and admit that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, She's mom. She doesn't dude. listen, though. No, she does. Randy, that's fucking say it, dude. I know. Don't, don't fucking do it. Don't that. be mean, because if I did that, I would feel bad if you were over there going like, ooh, playing your little violin, crying me a river. I forget most people's birthdays, so. It's your mama. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know but, my uh, mom's birthday. Do you? July 13th. She was born on a Friday the 13th. Oh. Hell yeah. yeah. Mine's July 5. Got my mom's and sister's birthdays mixed up one year because one is the 9th, one is the 19th of the same month. What month? July. <laughs> Come on, I knew that because wait, everyone's wait. everyone's favorite month, June July. Wait, do, <laughs> wait, are all our moms born in July except for Randy who can't figure out when she was? Yeah, Randy, when was your mom born? We'll never know. <laughs> In the month of January, so not July. Oh, early bird. Jays, dude. Dude, that's what you like to smoke. On my nice. face. Randy can't get them out there. They're illegal in Atlanta. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. my favorite. <laughs> also, As we all know, I'm a nerdy person who uh, is a rule follower, so I'm not trying to break the rules out here. You know what I'm saying? Break the rules. Um, so Colin McKenzie also invented the Zoom, Randy. When you mentioned that, uh, when you were talking about the movie... I, I totally forgot. They claim that because he was jealous that his brother was going to hook up with his lead actress, he zoomed in on her face and uh, he invented it in like 1908 or something. Colin McKenzie. <laughs> so Peter Jackson also directed a uh, Beatles documentary, speaking of which. Oh my God. Did you watch that, the three hour one? No. I watched like 35 minutes of it. Oh, you, be you bowed out? 
Yeah, I don't give a shit about the Beatles. Well, you know, the one thing I so I don't either. My mom and her sister are huge Beatles. I think I mentioned it on the show before, yeah. where my aunt actually had her ticket stub from like one of their their last show in the Bay Area, I think, at Candlestick. Uh, cool. Added into their museum, and um, yeah. So uh, of course, when your parents like something a lot, you learn to hate it. So I fucking hate the Beatles, and uh, but what I heard that was interesting about that was the way they manipulated the audio. So I thought you, an audiophile, would be into that. That is the only reason that I watched it. Okay. Um, so yeah, when they recorded, they recorded it. So there wasn't like a mixing board or anything. So they were just recording the sessions of them, like literally writing the songs. So there wasn't any mixing board. You couldn't like uh, isolate guitar tracks, drum tracks, all that. So everything was in mono. So apparently they used like some sort of like AI and machine learning technology to uh, use the one audio track to sort of scrub out or isolate each instrument, like what wavelengths there are, they're on and whatever. Um, so it sounds really good. And they also, there were scenes, apparently I heard on some podcast, someone else talking about it, um, where the Beatles were having conversations like amongst themselves and they like didn't want the camera to capture it. So they would like be playing guitar or they'd have feedback going through the amps. But um, with the new technology, they were able to scrub out all that feedback, all that other stuff, and then like amplify them talking. So there's conversations that they're having that I guess they probably didn't want people to hear. Yeah. But now we. Can I, hear heard, I heard it's like really candid too. Like there's like a, yeah. like a big argument, and they're doing it in like a room. But I had heard that they used like um, lip syncing technology and recreated the speech too. So I oh, don't really. Know. Yeah, we're screwed. <laughs> the yeah. Technology's getting fucking nuts out there. And yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I thought for sure you'd be into that. And clearly, it's boring enough that you bowed out. But yeah, yeah Peter Jackson. It, uh, it bugged me because the way that they did, especially the parts where they're talking, I like hearing voices in a space. Like, I like all the background noise and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so when you pull all that out, it just sounds like someone's recording VO. So it sounds kind of like fake and like, yeah, it sounded oh, weird. So I don't know. It's just like a weird thing that kind of bugs me. Also, you keep saying bug and we are talking about the Beatles. So I have to laugh. Nice. So Clark, Clark has fallen asleep. <laughs> Speaking anyway, of uh, wait, technology. The Lost yeah. Daughter also sounds like it should be a fucking horror movie. So when you mentioned pre-show that you're going to talk about The Lost Daughter, I was like, oh, it might yeah. even be found footage. and. Uh, I will say that I did see a trailer for this the last time I was at the uh, theater that I saw it at. The theater did, or the theater, the trailer did play kind of a little more like a, a thriller or a horror or something. Not like, you know, not that I'm wishing for terrible things to happen to the characters, but um, yeah, I'm not saying it like doesn't pay off. It's a really good movie, but I was kind of expecting like a different type of thing. All right. Just from the marketing, but you know, that's what trailers do. For bullshit. We're like, hey, look what's gripping. It's, it's, it's not scary. quite that egregious, the trailer, but yeah, sort of. All right. What else you got, babe? Just quickly, uh, a movie that I'm sure we've all seen. I know Russell probably has. Um, I couldn't sleep Friday night going into Saturday morning. so Because you were scared? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What it's lonely out here, you know? Um, so I was up don't at like real dude. <laughs> don't make it sad. It was funny. <laughs> it's what I do, baby. <laughs> so I was up at like 
so yeah, I was up for like a little bit. I like threw on a podcast and I was like, I'm going to like throw on a comfort food movie or something and like try to get some rest. Fired up the old Criterion channel. Yeah, that'll get you all happy. Uh-huh. And then um, <laughs> they have a... Uh, <laughs> fucking They solo. have a section of uh, Hitchcock movies called Hitchcock for the Holidays. And um, Clark recommended a movie that uh, reminded me that I haven't seen Rope for a while. Yeah. So, yeah, I fired up Rope and I was like, I'll probably fall asleep like 30 minutes into this or whatever. Watched the whole damn thing. It was riveting. <laughs> uh, it was really good. Um, Rope I hadn't is seen fun. it. <laughs> it is. It's really good. I hadn't seen it in a really long time, uh, and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, fire up the uh, old Criterion channel if you got it, and watch a little bit of Rope. The, plus, man, Jimmy Stewart. How good was Jimmy Stewart, man? He's good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> well, so fucking, they called it Hitchcock for the holidays? Yeah. What if they call it Hitchcock for your asshole? What if they called it <laughs> Hard for Hitchcock? Hard for Hitchcock. I'm fucking That's a little too racy for, for the Criterion Channel. No, come on. Hitchcock a doodle do. <laughs> <laughs> it's up it's early in the morning. You're still awake. It's time for Hitchcock a doodle do. Also, Randy, if you're a fan of rope, you know what all the rope heads out there like to do is yeah. watch the movie that he made after. Because you know, he did the whole like one shot kind of doing 10 minute um well i mean as much as one shot as you could get in the time yeah yeah when his next film he decided why don't i do that again as a period piece and i'll bring back my favorite actress and do you know what film i'm talking about randy i don't under capricorn starring Ah. ingrid bergman i love that film and again, none of you fucking steal from me. There's an image of my favorite leading lady, Ingrid Bergman. She also, Hitler loved her too. She was half German and she was pretty, right? And he's like, well, all these German women are so ugly. Why don't you be our national uh, queen? And she said, fuck you. And she did it in a way that scared all of her people around her because uh, he was doing a, you know, he's doing a big uh, press thing and she refused to stand up to salute. And they're like, you need to do this. Like, you don't know who you're fucking with. And she was like, I don't care. So she rules again. There's a picture of her on a bed sitting down. Also, how, how lame punching down on Hitler. I feel so like hack for doing that. Like everybody fucking punches down Hitler. We need to put him on a pedestal. Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) It's low hanging fruit. That's where my beef lies. True. (laughs) But it's Hitler. Yeah, everybody wants to kill him when he's a baby. I mean, cut him some slack. Well, that's hack. Yeah, that's hack. Okay. That's where we draw the line. There's an image of her sitting on a bed with a decapitated head, and it's like shrunken and decrepit. It looks mummified. Mm -hmm. I want to just put that image, black and white, on a shirt. And I'll do it one day, and it will go. Here's here's where I realize we're never going to have any other merch on that website. (laughs) I'm going to do that, though, and I'll do the old uh, yellow bastard with uh, Wiseman, and we could do the thing I came up with when we were out at the movies last night, two nights ago. Oh, you got it. Do you want to steal it from me? I said you could steal it. This is very exciting. Are you you ready, Randy? This is going to change your life. All right, you do it. No, no, you can have it. No. Come on, I'm the writer. You're the performer. Guillermo del Taco. (laughs) (laughs) Randy, I need more out of you. That's all right. Deliver it again. Guillermo del Taco. 
Not even a fuck you, Randy. We're okay. We're gonna make that a goddamn shirt. That's great. It's been there the, our whole lives, and I, I in my um, haze, I saw it was like a, a beam of light through a cloudy day. It hit me right in the face. What are you writing a gospel song? <laughs> All right, Randy, I'm, you can have you can have your segment back. That's it. I also um, I was once in a band that uh, had a song called Benicio of the Bull. Benicio of the Bull. Yeah, I hate I like that. Del Toro. I hate that. Also, uh, we have some breaking news from Oksana. It's breaking news. Dude, shut the hell up. Get out of here. Guillermo del Taco shirts already exist. Of course they do. You no. God, wait, wait a Oh, right. <laughs> damn it. I wish I didn't talk over that. God damn it, Oksana. I wasn't going to say it. I was just showing What is wrong? Okay, I'm cutting her mic. What is wrong with our producers here? We, it's all comedy. It's, we're happy. We're smiling. We're laughing. And then they both make, they bring it down. <laughs> the cloudy day that the beam of light hit me, then now it might as well be lightning and rain. Got a chance on meatballs too. Oh, Payback. fucking God. I heard men. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, I hate this show. <laughs> That's it for me. Take it. Take this. Well, just a reminder, this is episode... This is Sparta! 300. We did it. Hope you're having fun out there. (laughs) Briefly, I just do want to mention that yesterday I was able to take in. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. Randy briefly mentioned it last week. Russell has yet to see this film. I'm talking about Sean Baker's Red Rocket. Took it in yesterday. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Hell I yeah. also, well, I will say one no, thing. No, no. On behalf of the thing. whole audience, do not fucking ruin this movie. I will tread lightly. No. We go into I a, can cut your mic. We go into a bedroom. Oh, my God. On the wall is a poster. <laughs> that poster is for Wild Beasts. Oh. So he's, he does a little nod to Severn. Good. Yeah. That's it. Love you, Severn. I won't even tell you whose bedroom that is. Oh, to whom is the bedroom? Is it, Randy, did I do a good job? Because I very easily could have said whose bedroom it is, but that would have clued into the movie, wouldn't it? Yeah, great job. I don't remember that poster, but yeah. I also don't really know anything about Severin. I'm sorry. Oh, my That's God. Okay. That's why I'm here. Okay. Okay. We are, we are a giant puzzle. <laughs> I bring the Severin, I bring the Criterion. Oh, That's right. God. And I bring the old Brit box. Hey, but that's a good comparison because they have the Criterion Closet and the Severin Cellar. What, are you on a delay? What yeah. was the hell was that? I was thinking about my food that I just oh ordered. Oh, like you idiot. Okay, let's get through this so I you got, don't leave in the some, middle. I got some noodles coming, baby. What happened? So before we started recording, you were all pumped to do your fucking crouton schmegma pie or whatever the fuck. Gross, dude. <laughs> schmegma goes, you could just take that in a spoon. You don't have to put it on <laughs> fucking crouton. You can harvest it with a spoon. Um, no, I didn't want to. I didn't want to cook. I wish your mic was louder there. That was the grossest noise. Yeah, that was, I really made. wanted to power through that. I that couldn't help it. it. It sounded like you had a goddamn hairball. It was puke because it's gross. Schmegma. <laughs> By the way, no one here has schmegma because we all got cut You don't know. Dicks. I could be lying. Your dick is cut. You don't know that. Randy. Maybe uh, you'll find out as I wrap it up for you on the, our Lord and Savior's birthday. 
<laughs> Red Rocket, very good. Now, we'll talk about it. We'll we'll, we'll diagnose Red Rocket once you've seen it. Right. So pressure's on. Go see it. Okay, I want to. You jerk off. I still want to see Benedetta. Benedetta. I want to see uh, what's the other one? There's another one out that I'm dying. Oh, look at Randy. Okay, turn his camera off. <laughs> this asshole going to the plaza. Oh, video drum. Oh, I can't find weed in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh God. Uh, I watched a film the other day. Now, uh, again, I, Randy is much more in tune with everything. Because I'll ask Randy, have you heard about this? And most of in nine, there's a ninety percent chance that Randy's going to say, "Duh." Okay. Like Randy fucking knows what's going on. Um, and you know what's going on, but I have to find that middle ground. You know, I've got to make up, I got to make up the, uh, the overlap there in our Venn diagram where we've got some overlap here and you guys take care of your territory. So I have to stake out my own territory. And that is what I've done this week as I was perusing uh, iMovies, iTunes movies, what's it called? Apple movies? You understand. You understand what I'm talking about. Um, and I just go through there on recent discoveries. I find some stuff there, some good stuff there from time to time. Um, and I came across a new film called Boiling Point. Now, you know, that name, like, eh, no, it doesn't invoke much. Pretty, pretty standard there. But the cover is uh, our lead actor here, um, who I can't... I can never call him by name uh but it's steven graham and he's a guy who's been in, in a ton of stuff and if you know you watch a lot of things you'll know steven graham's face and he's in a chef's jacket so right there i was intrigued as i you know i any movie about a kitchen you know i gotta watch it and then i watched the trailer for this and in the trailer i discovered that this is all done in one single shot it's one take and as soon as I saw that in the trailer, I turned off the trailer and I rented the movie immediately. And uh, boy, did I really like this. Um, first, it, it takes, honestly for me, it took about four, it takes, so we follow, it, it's essentially, I believe it's Christmas Eve. Uh, this is all in Britain. And uh, Stephen Graham uh, runs a restaurant, and he is the head chef of a restaurant there. And it's Christmas Eve. It's going to be a huge night. It's going to be, like gonna be a it's huge. It's going to be a huge fucking night. Okay. Sorry. So <laughs> I'm bringing the fucking yoke. And it's it's Christmas Eve. They've oversold the tables. All right, they're already backed up. He didn't do the food order, and you immediately discover that. Uh, Andy is his character's name. It's Stephen Graham's character. He's in over his head. He's got a drinking problem that's established early. Um, he's got an estranged relationship with his son. So like, we're already we're checking all the boxes, right? And um, you know we, we've got the the meeting, and it's going, and we realize that he's not ordering enough food, and you know their menu is not going to be fully where they want it to be. But it opens up with the health inspectors there, and the health inspector. Um, to use a British term, he's quite cheeky. This guy, Ooh. and uh, and 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 Andy's character, uh, Stephen Grant's character of Andy, um, he's not having it. And they get into it. Health inspector drops him from a five to a three. Oh, so that's like from an A to a C, which is no good. 
And so he's got, he's dealing with that stress. We also find out like he's, he owes money. So another check mark. Service happens, service is going okay, but then one of his uh, head funders and his former, his mentor um, comes in and wants, and has got a table, and he's a celebrity chef. And he also brings in Gordon Ramsay, a renowned food critic who oh. he has been, he's carrying an affair with. And then that stresses him out. They end up sending a, a food allergy. Uh, someone requested no nuts on table 13. Oh. <laughs> they fucked that up. And then it just goes downhill from there. Now, I did have an initial, the, the very ending of the film kind of caught me off guard. And I'm like, I don't know if I like this. And then the end credits uh, music came in and I knew I didn't. I hate, I still stand by that. I don't like the end credits movie, uh, the end credits music. Uh, Randy, I'll get your point of view on that here in a minute. But um, <laughs> Real deal breaker. I'm, I actually love the ending now, and this is one of my favorite movies of the year, because it takes about 45 minutes for us to change perspective from the lead character. And once we do that, the movie gets a little bit more, it, obviously it adds more depth to the story, because then we're finding other characters in, the, in, in there, and they're interesting, and each is their own character. And we get some banal talk here and there, but it all kind of works as an orchestra for everything. And this movie's not just a gimmick. I, it really, really works every inch of that restaurant and um, the entire staff, the the um, the patrons there. I really like this movie. It's smartly made. The choreography of everything was just seamless. And I, I, honestly, it's it's like an hour thirty seven, um, which I think is ambitious uh, for for this type of of treatment but it doesn't overuse anything where i mean this thing moves and i like the story again you know it hits all the the main notes that you need everything but you know at the end of the day this thing's a tragedy and uh <laughs> i i really really like that and uh man i i was blown away with bowling point um apparently that movie's based on a short of the same yes title. yes so that that guy um it, it again it may be in like a, a you know a test to see because I think the short was like 22 minutes. Yeah. Um, I've yet to see the short definitely would like to, um, but I really, really enjoyed bowling point. Also Stephen Graham, for those of you trying to put a face to it, he was detective Mulligan in venom. Let there be carnage. Ooh, <laughs> that's another film. You really enjoyed, but you know, his face, right? You've seen that guy. I did, but I'm trying to go through here to figure out how, and I, I can't, he was in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Didn't see Tinker it. Tinker Tailor Soldier Boy. Pirates of the Caribbean. Didn't see it. Snatch. Nope. This is England. Like, I, I got nothing. You don't see Snatch? I did. I just don't care. He was in Hellboy. Same. Wait, Randy, do we agree on that? I don't really care for Snatch, no. <laughs> oh, well. He's, he's, of course, talking about women. Yeah, when you're we living alone. <laughs> <laughs> Oksana, cover your ears next time I say that word. Oh, he was. I also might say that I uh, didn't hundred percent care for this movie. Oh, Oh, shit, dude! This is Sparta. (laughs) Whoa, dude! That's a hot take for episode three hundred. Damn! All right, give it to me, baby. (laughs) I mean, I thought the uh, you know choreography and the directing and everything was very impressive. Um, The main, I'm already forgetting his name, even though we were just talking about him. Stephen Graham. He's he's very good. this is an English movie. I had a very hard time understanding what he was saying for half the movie. That's on me. That's not on him. 
Um, well, he's yeah, like, I, I think he's like Irish. So he's, yeah, there's a whole like bit about that. Cause he's trying to communicate with the uh, French. Also lady. clerk watches everything yeah. with subtitles. So he cheats. You I have almost to turned them on. Yeah. I didn't turn them on. Himself. I kind of wish I did. <laughs> yeah. That, that maybe could have helped. <laughs> I really didn't like the ending. Uh, and I hated that song at the end. It was very, just like trying to like be like, uh, heart, pull at your heartstrings. And it was just, very saccharine. I, I was like, I don't know what's going on. I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I hate that song at the end. But Randy, if you think of it as a tragedy, it does work. And that kind of helped with me because it, the ending did kind of throw me off it too. And I was like, it, this is fuck, fuck this. But yeah. um, I just didn't know what the movie, what the, what the story was going to be. And I, everyone in the movie seemed miserable. <laughs> and I just yeah. like, I was like, I realize it's a very, you know, stressful time um to be working in that kitchen but uh i don't know I, I have some friends that work in the culinary industry and you know they get uh very stressed out at those type of events and stuff but um if i could use a little more fun or a little bit of levity i feel like you know you're very in very close quarters with these people all the time there's probably like uh i don't know i could use a little more levity well that's why they all smoke and do coke <laughs> Yeah. Also, I mean, the only coke you see is one guy doing it alone by himself. So there's, yeah, that is true in a car. That was a cool scene though, where where he leaves the kitchen, goes into the car, and then yeah, come on, you're not hearing Randy. He's like, if I want to be depressed, I just be in a room alone. I do want to talk about one thing. (laughs) That's how he lives. Um, There's a scene early in the film where there's a young guy. um, I think he's like an apprentice, and they've got him doing desserts. And everyone in the kitchen's got their sleeves rolled up on their on their sleeve on their jackets, and he uh, yeah. he doesn't put, roll his sleeve up. And the um, another lady helping him out uh, rolls his sleeve up, and then it's revealed that he's a cutter, as he's got several uh, you know blade marks on his arm. But how that scene played out um, was just beautiful because immediately. She just starts to cry. <laughs> and when you realize of like, this is all one take and like, we've got one fucking shot at this. It just was so natural. And her reaction was just to go up to him and hug him. It just felt so real. And that's when I tuned into this movie because that, again, the choreography of everything was just beyond impressive to me. And I, I really would have been. I would be very interested to, um, you know, learn about that whole process because uh, how you can map that out and just the performances on this were incredible. <laughs> Randy, but that didn't, that didn't uh, do anything for oh, you like, with the cutting scene? That, that was, was a good scene. Yeah, no, I like that. Uh, you, you know, there's stuff in here that I, I dug, but overall, I just, I don't know. It was a little too, uh, a little, little too depressing, I guess. Yeah. God. It's, again, it's a tragedy, man. Because, yeah. Early, it's gonna be a big night well early in the movie you know this is a flawed character like this guy he's again he's in over his head he's and, in too deep and this is and where he's it, trying to keep come on don't get his band on youtube well he fucking dies <laughs> <laughs> about time so bowling point Check it out. <laughs> just wanted to see people doing coke together or like doing shots together or something, you know? Yeah, yeah it's something a, a little more fun. A, coke, everyone knows cocaine's a fellowship drug. Yeah. Russell, Oksana, 
Listener Sam. Oh, what the hell? Listener Sam's wife, Clark. Of course, Listener Sam's wife's name is Aaron. We all saw Guillermo del Taco's <laughs> newest film, <laughs> Nightmare Alley. Now, I had to explain to Russell, I don't know, let's call it 19 times of what this movie was. Because I kept saying Nightmare Alley. You're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, no idea. It's like, I'm like, it's Del Taco's new movie. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh, okay. And I was like, we're going to see Nightmare Alley. What the fuck is that? It's Del Taco's new movie. And so we saw Del Taco's new movie. Now, with the trailer, I didn't, I think I watched half the trailer once. Also, did you know this was a remake? Uh, Yeah. Yes. I did not know this until after. Um, I am somewhat interested now. Um, well, I don't know. I guess if you make another, if you make a second film about the same book, is that a remake or like a? There is a previous film, yeah, called Nightmare Alley. That's also based on the same book. Yes, yeah. So I don't. Is it a remake of the movie or just another attempt at telling the story? I think you still have to technically classify okay. it as a remake. That's fair. I'll I'll take that. because because it's the same thing. If we're looking at, um, you know, um, a star is born. No, what the fuck? The, <laughs> Wizard of the, Oz. The chest, the the Charlton Heston thing. <laughs> no, the Vincent Price thing that turned into the Charlton Heston thing that turned into the Will Smith thing. House of Wax. Randy, what am I talking the about? Huh? The Tingler. <laughs> the Tingler. No. The last man on earth was the Vincent Price thing. Omega the Omega man? man was the Charlton Heston thing. And I Am Legend was the Will Smith thing. Okay. And it's all based off the same property. But they're all remakes of each other? Well, it's based off the book, and I think the book is The Last Man on Earth. So it's, yeah, all those, I mean, you know, technically, are you calling all those remakes? Uh, No. Okay. Well, I feel feel like you did a better job (laughs) at making my argument there. Well, the titles are different, but that doesn't mean they're not a remake. I get Yeah. Does it? I don't know. I don't know. I'll lose this to move on. Randy, (laughs) cut it out. So, <clears throat> the film opens up <laughs> where we've got Bradley Cooper, who apparently Russell could not name him in a lineup of two No, people. I couldn't. Bradley Pooper. Now, Bradley Pooper <laughs> is in this house, and it's, it's, we're, we're, we're clearly, you know, Dust Bowl, you know, somewhere, you know, rolling plains, and this is a dilapidated old, you know, Prairie home. <laughs> a prairie home companion. It's a haunted house on the prairie. And Bradley Pooper, <laughs> it opens up. <laughs> There's a body wrapped in plastic. No, it's wrapped in a uh, sheet. And he has dug a hole in this house. Now he dumps the body in the hole. And then he fucking sets the house on fire. So what's the point of dumping a body in a hole in the house when you set the house on fire? Now, this happened, and I leaned over to Russell, and I said, and I had posed that question to him. I said, why would you build a hole and then set the house on fire? And he said, oh, no, visually, it was good. That's a dramatic effect. Yeah. Visual story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I was like, all right, I'll buy it. Yeah, I, I mean, I if you want me to make an argument for it, um, 
maybe the idea is that the bones would have to be dug up in the wreckage as opposed to being like on the hardwood floor. Cause I know they had forensics out there in that prairie and they might be looking. You for think it. Bradley Pooper's thinking of that? <laughs> I don't know. Also, Russell, it's 1930. There are no forensics. Dude, yeah, they got it. No, they know. They pioneered forensics out no. there on the prairie. They had polio. They didn't have forensics. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but essentially, you know, Bradley Pooper becomes a man on the run, runs into this carnival, and uh, we'll we'll just leave it at there. And, and you know, I'll wait for Russell to hop in here. But um, what did you? What were you, what were your expectations going into Nightmare Alley? Um, I knew it was a noir. I had a earlier in the day I'd spoken to um, someone about the film and they were like, Oh yeah, it's based on an old uh, novel, like a noir. And it, you know, it's the second time this movie has been made, but you know, it's Del Toro and Del Toro is one of those dudes. Um, the tacos got my ear and my eyes mm-hmm. and my heart and your mouth and my mouth. So whenever he does anything, I show up whole body and um, I was just like, you know, fuck it. Like I honestly, I'm not in a, frame of mind where i'd like to take carve a two and a half hour uh iteration of my life to go see a noir film i know uh i missed what was it randy noir Noir vember yeah i missed noir vember but i was like fuck it man i I like uh del taco so let's do it and my walk like i i mean god i watch a lot of horror so i'm spoiled with like the best of all elements of film like you know monsters and drama and romance and suspense and everything and i was kind of worried about a two-hour talkie movie dude i had a blast i thought it was great i was really into the story we have kind of a very nuanced protagonist who if you're paying attention to the visual medium is telling a different story than you would get from the script, which also I liked the script a lot. Great script. Also just read a book on clowns and um, I was really looking forward to jumping in this carnival. Not a fucking clown in this movie. Cause this is a, this is a freak show situation. They're not yeah, a circus clowns. I mean the dunk tank. I was looking for a dunk tank or something. Like, this that, is, that, 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 that's a County fair. Like there's okay. no dunk tank. No, come on. If a clown walked out of nightmare alley, you wouldn't be like, Whoa, what's that guy doing here? Why is that clown in here? No, it, I would. No, you I wouldn't understand. Have. No, I understand the carny. I don't know why you're fighting me on the the lack of clown in this movie, but you want to gripe over a body in a hole because that's stupid. <laughs> you know it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, and you know what? Um, when the movie was done, I, I was in a very weird. It was dark out, and there was you know it was dimly lit. It was perfect though. We, me and Clark looked great, the best we've ever looked. And we had this really profound conversation, and I ended it with one of the coolest things I've ever said. And it's like you know all the stuff we do. The 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 bottom line is we're watching horror and uh, indie and foreign film, and you know the problem is the indie part. They got no budget, and it was nice to see a filmmaker really go to bat with a lot of money. And uh, that that paraphrase was much worse than how I delivered it that night. It was so concise and cool. And Clark started crying after I said it. But uh, Randy, man, watch it just for the sets, dude. The carnival looked great. Yeah. Um, for a film being made during like the pandemic, you'd never know. There's a lot of crowd. There are a lot of like extras in the movie, which I've learned to love. They had a lot of um, again, like a freak show thing. They brought in the geek. I a love geek. a fucking geek. Dude, it always reminds me of Ren and Stimpy with Ren chewing on the head of a chicken. There's a lot of geek in this. There's a lot of geek. There's also, 
I've never seen uh, the spider with the human lady face. Yeah, it was cool. I love that. Even though her web was made out of like hemp rope. Yeah. I was like, what? Why'd you get a... But the, we need to talk about the cast in this thing. Okay. I mean, this, that, is, that's a, this is a big money cast here. We got a Ron Perlman. Ronnie Perlman as a strong man named who, Bruno. Who delivers one of the uh, most felt punches I've ever seen in a movie. I don't think it would translate on a TV, but in that audience, I was like, Ooh. would you want to be punched by Ron Perlman? You know, he doesn't strike me as a bruiser, like a knuckle dragger. But uh, He's got big hands, dude. He's one of those guys that I think would just know how to deliver it really well. And I, you know, my jaw hasn't been tested that often, so I think it might be glass. Yeah. Which is my real problem. Right. You got a William Defoe. Oh, my God. You can't do anything right. Willem Defoe. It's Willem Defoe. We got we got Rooney. Mara. Oh, you're going to skip over Willem. He's yeah. great in this movie. I said Willem Dafoe. You, you didn't praise him. <laughs> That's what I want. No, I mean, it's Willem Dafoe. He's great in everything. <laughs> All right, keep going. Tony Collette. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Well, all right, here's the thing. When it gets to Kate Blanchett, it kind of takes a dive a oh little bit for me. Oh, my God. Did it not for you? Because we got away from the carnival. When we got away from the carnival, I got a little sad. But then we built back up towards the carnival, didn't we? Well, what about Richard Leroy Jenkins? Leroy Jenkins. Oh, my God. That makes me so happy. <laughs> Just let it sit. Okay. I love Richard Jenkins. Okay. Um, yeah, he shows up. Uh, he's actually, yeah, Mary Steenbergen mm-hmm. shows up. Uh, now, nice. she does, uh, her demise was quite good. That kind of, that caught you by surprise. We got a, a PTA, Paul Anderson. David Strathairn. Okay, we're done with the cast. You, <laughs> you've turned it. You've turned it against me now. And Tim, dude, Tim Blake Nelson is is in the last scene. Paul Anderson is in this movie. Yeah, I understand. He plays geek number one. Oh, I love it. That, that geek number one had a bad go. <laughs> that, man, it was so bad. Willem Dafoe gets in there. He's like, "Ah, oh, the geek turned bad. He's got maggots in his brain. We got to take him to the hospital." And then they throw him in the alley of the hospital. He's like, who wants steak and eggs? <laughs> I'm buying. Now, and then the m- most important scene in the movie happens. Okay, we could talk about that later. We're not going to ruin this movie. No, it'd be, hard, you, it'd be hard to. There's so much nuance and visual storytelling. Like when we were walking away, you asked me a question that hadn't even crossed my mind. I'm like, wow, that would actually change a lot. And yeah. it was so brief and like, yeah. And I feel like there's a but lot it of those set moments. up the whole movie. Well, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. Cause you could, you could watch that movie very passively and end it and just be like, Oh, that was pretty good. But the connections are there. Yeah. And I think the biggest problem um, you had after watching the film was the uh, tonal change. Cause there's a big setting change. We leave the carnival and we go into like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, um, well, they, they they start going into the nightclub circuit. Yeah, and it's very different. Yeah, and uh, it's and a, there's also money. It's a big change for the character, but uh, I don't know. Well, it's also a big change for the show because now he's the front and she's taking the back seat. Yeah, we we're doing some carny tricks out here, and this movie's really about grifting and kind of having morals while also being kind of, I don't know, a scummy entertainer. I kept thinking the whole time. Is this like a commentary on like Hollywood or like journalism? I think it's it's kind of America. 
No, but that's so like, of we're course, a, we live in America, so we see that. We're a country of grifters, Dave. Well, I also was thinking like journalism's gone this route where, you know, back in the day, it was like, no, we need to report neutrally, no matter how we feel. In this movie, they have um, a big thing with spook shows. Don't infuse your AM radio lifestyle. Get the fuck no, everything. No, you but say I'm to. saying, no, I think this works better than, um, than America, just as a blanket term. No. Young America. You know, I, when we did leave, young American. Yeah, fuck David Bowie. Uh, Whoa. He's dead. You know, they had a new... Um, he also fucked Mick Jagger. His first song that he ever recorded came out. And you know how like David Bowie's not his real name. He took that as like a stage thing. Sure. Um, oh, I was cool. running, of course, as Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, but I, again, this film is kind of about like, you know, tarot card readings and going too far with the lie. Which I thought was really interesting. I mean, just we deal with found footage all the time and kind of like the thing is, you know, the movie I covered in the TBR report, Forgotten Silver, it's so like there's so much whimsy in that movie that it's like at the end of the day, even if you believed it, you're not like hurt for it. Where this movie is kind of uh, pretending to be a medium and um, offering up something that isn't real, which is like hope in the afterlife, which you know, uh, like the horror movie, The Last Exorcism, they they talk about it a lot in there where it's like, well, if you're giving people hope, isn't that okay? And this movie has a very definitive answer, which is no. Yeah. Because you're taking their money. And um, I thought that was really interesting. I don't know. I'd, I don't, I'd never seen it dealt with that way before. But yeah, this also is kind of like how uh, money can corrupt and blah, blah, blah. That's a little bit more boring. But man, interesting film. I really liked it a lot. Randy, you're, you're not interested in it at all? I may go see it after hearing you guys talk about it. I do have one question, though. Okay. Is there an unbroken scene where Rooney Mara eats an, enti- an entire pie? Oh, my God. When you're going to make a fucking reference like that, No, Randy. but what she does do is take uh-huh. an uncut four-minute shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. No, I think, Randy, you dig it. This is, oh, you know what? A good comparison here is One Night in Soho. One Night in Soho. Because that movie had all the the glitz and the glam of, you know, classic Hollywood. But man, I didn't give a fuck. At any moment in that movie, I didn't care. Just emptiness. In this one, dude, there were characters that were introduced, and you know, just from the way the beats of a movie go. Oh man, that's that's a secondary character or like even a background character, and you just wanted more time with them. Yeah, like Clifton Collins Jr., who's a great uh, character actor. He plays the guy in front of the uh, the Hell House, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, and he 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 shows up in a couple scenes. He's great. Um, David Dude. David Strathairn, he's great, the, man. The titular, actually, I don't know if I can say that because it's kind of a metaphor, but the Nightmare Alley moment. Dude, that set was beautiful. Yeah, man, there's so much visual candy here, and um, I don't know. I love magic too. Like, there's a whole thing with the magician's like Hell notebook, yeah. and like how they kind of defend it. But he's also willing to teach. I, I, I don't know. I really like this one. Um, yeah, but uh, for <laughs> one night in Soho, which everything worked technically, and then you do. There's no heart. This is. I don't know. This is all that with heart. Del Taco, you did it again. Del Taco crushed it. Again, I think we're putting the bar kind of high here, too. It is still a noir film, so if you're not into the whole, like, noir thing... You're an idiot. I don't... Neo-noir right my. Get... It's right up my nightmare alley, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
All right. All right. Is it my turn now? It's your turn. It would, it would do, can we close the book on that? I think, I think we can. Yeah. Would you watch it again? I had two and a half hours is a fucking commitment. No? Would I watch it again? Um, what? Did you have a stroke? You took a <laughs> long, dramatic pause there. Sorry, I was uh, following my door dash. Oh, my God. <laughs> would you? Yay, nay? Yeah. Oh, you would? Mm-hmm. Would it have to be like, I don't know. You know, honestly, this could be a cool holiday movie. It's kind of like a morality tale. There's snow. Is there snow? Did I make, no, there's no snow. There's just snow. Wait, there is snow. There's snow. Is there snow? Oh, wait, let me turn up Oksana's mic so she can... Also, it's called Last Night in Soho, not One Night in Soho. Oh. I missed you up with the song on that. Oh, you little... F- you're gaslighting me, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Gaslight Clarky. Yeah, I don't... There's I call that movie Three Hours in Soho or One Night in So-So. Yeah, we know about the So-So. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up really quickly uh, with a shout out to Terrell. Thank you. You're my you're my best friend. I love you. Uh, not just because you're black and you give me this like credibility that people think I'm not a racist, which is very valuable nowadays. Our, yeah. But you're also just uh, I don't know. You're cool. You're tall. You scare people when we're in nightmare alleys. They won't fuck with me when I'm around you. And also, you gift me movies like I'm Dreaming of a White Doomsday, which. He watched and was so excited to tell me that there's this bleak indie horror. And he was like, what'd you think of it? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never heard of it. And he said, no, you have. And I'm like, no. And he's like, this movie's right up your alley. And again, Nightmare Alley. This is a fucking bleak Christmas tale about a family trying to exist post uh, Doomsday. And I, I wanted to highlight this one because I've, we're fucking behind mm-hmm. watching holiday films. This year, this is the only holiday horror movie I've watched. And um, again, Terrell, I tease you because this movie is great. And I say it's great, not because there's a ton of gore or a ton of horror. There's really not. This is a movie Randy wouldn't like, who I think he's peeing right now. But it is fucking bleak. You're just waiting. You're waiting for that ray of light to hit you in the face to break the clouds. Mm. And it just, dude, it doesn't happen. And... Uh, I'm not going to spoil this and say where it goes. Maybe there is a silver lining, but the, the thing I wanted to mention, uh, post-apocalyptic as a, uh, sub genre film is one of my favorite. And it's one of the hardest to pull off. I think Mad Max Fury road really worked because they had a fucking budget and you can really make the world feel like post-apocalyptic. Although I got to fucking give it to, uh, Mike Lombardo. Uh, he's the director, writer, and he's mostly a special effects dude. He pulled this one off, and on the indie scope, it's really you really got to be careful with every frame. Now there is a little bit of stuff where um, this is a uh, mother, father, son family struggling. Um, the son plays with action figures that are they're all fucking um, trauma related, mm. and he's a fan, and that felt a little bit like. I don't know if I believe that, but again, if you're watching, I'm like dreaming toxic of, Avenger. It's literally toxic Avenger. Yeah. But like he, he also schools his mom on who toxic is and how he you know, like, and you're like, what kid would know that? But again, if you're watching, I'm dreaming of a white doomsday. I think you gotta, you gotta know where you are. Yeah. Um, this movie worked for me. And, um, again, it's fucking bleak though. So I wouldn't recommend it to Randy Clark. I don't know if you d- dig it too, but if, if you're a fan of like, just, I don't know, um, 
What are some of our favorite companies, Oksana, that do those kind of like Kickstarter indie movies? Oh, I can't think of anything right now. You mean like like campaigns for them? Or, or the companies, because, you know, they put out a lot of them. I know, I can't think of it. I have COVID brain farts, but it's great. Um, like, who put out Faceless? Oh. Come, God damn it. We have producers on the show, so me and Clark don't Cauldron. have to do any of this. No, it's not Cauldron. You only know that because they put out two found footage movies. Anyway, I, hi- I highly recommend this to those who are uh, unlike Randy and like to, I don't know, wallow in their holiday. But um, yeah, dude, man, pulling off that environment, kudos to you. And Mike Lombardo, I was expecting when I looked him up to have this like long line of... um like indie horror, but no, it looks like he's only done a couple of shorts and um, this was it in 2017. So I know it's a little bit of an old one and most of you have probably seen it already, but if you haven't uh, check it out, I'm dreaming of a white doomsday. Yeah. How was the runtime on this bad boy? Uh, one hour and 11 minutes. Oh, yeah, short too. baby. And there's this beautiful scene. Like a lot of this movie is told in flashback to, and not in the kind of, hey, we can't construct a doomsday world, so we're going to live in, you know, a non-doom. There's a moment where they're taking family photographs. Like, remember that fucking ancient tradition? We had to show up in a mall and do it. Yeah. Yeah. It was giving me like weird, nostalgic, but like not in a good way. I, I have issues with doomsday movies. I just try to avoid them. I, I get that. Especially now it was a little weird, like with, uh, you know, shit ratcheting up with China and, uh, I mean, Oksana's family out there in Ukraine with uh, Russia on the border threatening. No you, comment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was a little weird, but I mean, I liked it. Now, having said that, you better believe I'm going to go see Moonfall. No idea what that is. What the hell is that? Trailer. Bro, y'all don't keep up with Moonfall? What the hell is that? It's the new Roland Emmerich end of the world film. We got out. (laughs) It's where the moon attacks the world. Oh, like it has a mouth and it bites Earth? Pretty much. (laughs) Really? Yeah. It's like Majora's Mask or something? You need to see the trailer because Donald Sutherland opens up in this. Patrick Wilson's in it. Patrick Wilson's in it. And Halle Berry. In Moonfall, a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit around the Earth and sends it hurling on a collision course with life as we know it. We're with mere peak. Okay, now I'm aboard. Whoa, this is a long description. (laughs) Yeah, it's Moonfall, dude. Oh, no, I should have. Yeah, this is terrible. I thought it was a Bond movie. Honestly, oh. when you threw out Moonfall. Skyfall. It's a Moonfall. Wait, am too. I wrong? That sounds like a Bond title. Skyfall. I did too. Skyfall is uh, the Bond title. This is Moonfall, okay? <laughs> Moon's over Miami Fall, dude. And essentially, Donald Sutherland says in the trailer, he's like, you know how when those fellows were up there that walked on the moon and we lost contact for two minutes? <laughs> they didn't. They found oh, something that fuck. we didn't, that they didn't want to tell us. And now it's back. And this world has experienced six extinctions. This is the seventh. Moonfall! Why didn't you do that in a better voice? You should have done like movie phone voice. I don't or do something. movie phone voice. Why? Because he's fucking stupid. 
<laughs> we found something on the moon. A mouth. <laughs> Dude, moon mouth? Joe, moon mouth. Moon mouth, good. All right, we got to make that movie. Uh, Smash Mouth already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a filmmaker or if you know a filmmaker, then come talk to us, okay? Shoot us, shoot us an electronic mail. Send us a texting message. Give us a phone call. We need to talk about F5. Submissions are open. Submissions are open until how long? <laughs> the end of January. You've got some time. Approximately, by the time you hear this message, you've got over five weeks to submit something. And guess what? What are we talking about submitting? We're talking about submitting found footage. So in five weeks' time, you could shoot something, edit something, and send it to us and still have four weeks of time. <laughs> so you've got plenty of time to send us submissions for UF5. That's it. Anything else? I don't know. You want to plug your Instagram? Con Find Clark at Clark Little on Instagram. Do not at me on Instagram. And I'm fucking Lord Battle on all social platforms. <laughs> <laughs> when are you? Are you still going to commit to the Lord Battle thing? No, but it's a it, dude. It's a fucking banging name. It's it's stupid. It's, it's it my RTW name. When I wrestled at Roundtable, when I was the manager. Oh my god! My finisher was the Samoan Drop. Oh, that's racist. No, it's a fucking <laughs> badass move. It's cultural appropriation, if anything. Speaking of Samoans, uh, my alma mater. Uh, so, in what? <laughs> December fifteenth is National Signing Day for college football. Now, oh god, um, we signed. I I kept telling you it was the Rock's nephew. It's not the Rock's nephew. He's in that family, um, but he is Roman Reigns' nephew. Oh, okay. He's Roman Reigns' nephew that we signed uh, as a defensive end from Pensacola, Florida. Went to the same high school as his Pensacola, Florida. But apparently, uh, Dwayne Johnson is in that family. Cool. Yeah. So it's a whole lineage. Are you plugging the draft? <laughs> the plug plugging draft. Dwayne Johnson. It's National Signing Day. I'm Dude. also plugging San Andreas, oh. a Dwayne Johnson film. I don't think I saw that one. I, did. I saw the um, skyscraper. That's what I saw. Ooh. Oh, Moonfall. <laughs> Moonfall. The Bond movie. <laughs> Y'all don't want to go see Moonfall? It's got Patrick Wilson in it. I have to watch a trailer. The trailer looks ridiculous. It's going to be two hours long. Is it gonna, well, Greenland, I it's like. It's Roland Emmerich. Gre uh, yeah. Don't tell me who. You know who Roland Emmerich is. A cure for wellness. That is, that is Gore Vidal. No, oh, shit. <laughs> Gore Vidal. Yeah, Gore Vidal. Gore the Niner? <laughs> Oh, he wrote Independence Day. Of course. He's done every disaster movie known to man. That's what, that's what he does. Some of Clark's larger fragments are now expected to enter our atmosphere. There you go. I still got all those. I love them. They're good. That was a poop joke. Greenland was too long. No, Greenland was great. <laughs> Greenland was not great. <laughs> Talk about a three-star movie. <laughs> Talk about a th episode 300. This has been a great show. I also feel like you didn't watch all of Greenland. What, excuse me? You're talking yeah, to me? I know. I felt like you... I watched all of fucking Greenland. I felt like you left and took a shower and... Oh, shut the fuck. You were probably on did your some, phone. Did some kettlebells. You probably got confused. You were looking at old images on uh, Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>
I got nothing. Okay. All right. Because I'm hungry and my noodles are here. Randy, you got anything? Yeah. If anyone uh, that is listening besides Christian and or Colby is in Atlanta, Georgia, you can find me in these streets. I don't mean that in an intimidating way. We all know I'm a coward and I can't fight anybody. But if you're here and you see me out in public at a coffee shop or at a bar getting drunk by myself, reading a sci-fi novel, uh, come say what's up. What are you reading now? It's called Dark Matter. I also have that book that you have that I haven't started yet. Something about an oxygen thief. Yeah, Diary of an Oxygen Thief. I also have the uh, sequel, um, Chameleon in a Candy Store. Haven't read either. (laughs) Randy, take her home. That's all we got. We'll see you next week. Happy Christmas, as the British say. Salome.